Well, glory. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? That's right. That's right. Hey, just a reminder before we get into the message this morning, and we're going to start in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 this morning. So if you want to find that, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning at verse 13. Don't forget now, we're into the month of July, and just a few weeks is our uh, fundraiser. Help us to furnish our new facility, our new building that's going up over there, and we would just encourage you in some way to be a part of that, to not only maybe donate something, but to come and and to maybe invite some friends and family members, co-workers, uh, people in your neighborhood. We've got some neighbors of ours coming from Gold Canyon that are not part of the Oasis that are coming that night that we've invited, and we just would encourage you to reach out and invite some other people to come with you as well. So don't forget, get your tickets as soon as possible. We've got to make arrangements as to how many meals to be preparing for for that night. And that is Saturday, July the 21st, which, by the way, now is only three weeks from yesterday. Hard to believe that, you know, time is going by. And isn't it unbelievable to think that the year is now half over? I mean, that's just crazy, isn't it? And these next six months, I mean, we're really going to see the building start to to take shape and materialize, and we're going to get closer and closer to being able to move in to our new facility. I am thankful that, unlike last Sunday, the air conditioning is working up here on stage today. Last Sunday it was working out there, but it wasn't working up here. Uh, So I'm so thankful for that. Ever since the fall of man, human beings have struggled to stay focused. And that's especially true in the age in which we live because we live in an age and a culture of unprecedented distraction. And all of these distractions have really sapped us, even as Christians, from the salvation that we could or should be enjoying and experiencing in Jesus Christ. And this whole message today is about why and how the Holy Spirit of God wants to keep us focused, can help keep us focused, what we should be focused on, and why God wants us to be able to stay focused instead of being so distracted. I want to begin in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, where Paul says, but we ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. He called you to this salvation through our gospel so that you may possess the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold to the traditions that we taught you. Now, there's so much in these verses we could talk about this morning, but I want to narrow it down to this whole idea of the Spirit of God 
helping us to stay focused and what we're to stay focused on and why. And I want to then direct your attention again back to these words where it says, God chose us. He said, I want you. I hope you get that this morning. God said, I want you. You see, I want to have a relationship with you. And then he goes on to say, he chose you from the beginning. What is a priority for salvation? But notice through sanctification by the spirit. Wait a minute. I thought salvation was just describing that moment when I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and He becomes my Savior and my sins are forgiven and then I'm on my way to heaven and I now have a relationship with God. I thought that that's all that salvation was. And Paul is pointing out here something that we try to remind ourselves of all the time here at the Oasis is salvation from that perspective is not the end. It is just the beginning, you see. Yes, you and I can get saved, if you will, in a moment in time when we do place our faith in Christ. But there's so much more to the salvation that God wants for us and has for us than simply that decision. And yet, can I ask you to do something for me? I need you in this church to help us to get this message out to other Christians and and to other followers of Christ because it is a message that is drowning today underneath all these other teachings in other churches where all they're interested in is bringing someone to that point where they are saved and then that's it. And so many churches today, that's all they're focused on. Their whole ministry is focused on bringing people in from the street, getting them saved, checking off the salvation box, and that's it. And notice something here. Paul says that when God chose us, He chose us to a salvation that we could only experience through sanctification by the Spirit. And sanctification is just a big theological word that simply tells us about the process of our spiritual growth and maturity. And the only way that you and I grow and mature is by the aid or help or support of the Holy Spirit. And so he's saying, you realize something. Yes, when you trust in Christ, you're saved. But there's so much more to the salvation that God has for us and wants for us than simply knowing that our sins are forgiven and we're on our way to heaven. It's it's about the fullness of our salvation. And that you and I as Christians will never experience all that God wants to bring us in our salvation if we simply stop at the moment we accepted Christ as our Savior. Which is why at this church... We're always trying to teach. It's way more than that. It is way beyond our initial trusting in Christ as our Savior. Because Paul is saying, God chose us for a particular type of salvation. It is a salvation, if you will, the fullness of it, the abundance of it, that can only be experienced through our spiritual growth and maturity. And that can only come when we rely and depend upon the Spirit. That's why in verse 14, notice very importantly two words. He says, he called you to this salvation. 
That word this is a demonstrative, I can't even say it, a demonstrative pronoun. It is simply saying, it is this salvation and not another. It is this salvation and not that kind of salvation. In other words, it's if Paul's saying, it is this quality, it is this type, it is this nature, this character of salvation that God called you to, not any other. Not that. And what is that salvation? It is the salvation that, again, can only be experienced through the process of spiritual growth and maturity that comes by the Spirit. That's it. So you think about how many Christians, maybe even you think about yourself, what have I missed in my life because I bought into the whole teaching and philosophy that once I was saved, man, I could check that box off, I'm good, and now I'm just sort of going to float through life just knowing I'm a, you know, I'm a child of God, but that that's, that's enough for me. And God is like, that's not what I called you to. That's not what I chose you for. Because, yeah, that's wonderful that you've gotten to that point, but you don't really know me yet. You've not yet experienced all that I have for you when I did save you. And that can only happen if we continue to grow and mature by the Spirit. It's that salvation. It is this salvation that Paul wants the Thessalonians to experience. It is truly getting to know our God and going beyond the, the, the little knowledge that we have of God enough to get us to the point where we trust in Him for our salvation. But God says, I want to take you so far beyond that. It'd be like us saying we compare salvation to in a human relationship. I, I was introduced to somebody like I was you at one time. I, I, I now know your name. You know my name. And we now say, okay, if I see you on the street, if I see you out there, I'll know who you are. I can call you by name. There's, there's some type of a relationship there, but that's where it ends. I never really get to know you. You never really get to know me. You don't know what I like, what I don't like. We, we, we share no depth of a relationship beyond just, I know you and you know me. And we would say, wow, that's, that's pretty shallow. That's pretty superficial. That's not very much, right? And yet many Christians, that's where they leave their relationship with God. It's like they got introduced to Him in salvation, and now they know this much about Him, and for them, that's it. That's all they'll ever know. Because they never go on to experience this particular type of salvation that can only come, again, through sanctification by the Spirit. And Paul is saying to the Thessalonians, in order for us then to experience this process of spiritual growth and maturity, guess what you and I have to learn to do and be aided by the Spirit to do? We've got to stay focused on the revelation of God, which is why in verse 15 he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, stand firm. The words mean to persevere or persist in in a certain way. He says, and hold on. We could say, stay focused on the traditions that we taught you. Not all tradition is bad tradition. Especially when you're talking about the revelation of God 
in his word. And Paul is saying the only way that you and I experience this growth and maturity is by staying focused on this revelation of himself, God, that he has given to us. You see. So that's where Paul starts this whole concept and the importance of it. And why this revelation of God in His Word about Himself is so important that we get absorbed by it. That we are engrossed with it. That we are captivated to the point that other things will not distract us, you see. Because again... It's always been a struggle for fallen human beings to stay focused, much less in a world today that literally creates attention deficit. I mean, they've already proven that. With all of our modern technology, they have, they have come to realize that normal adults have a hard time staying focused on anything for too long a period of time. Because our our technology just continues to flash things here or there. And we live in a society that says, I drank this, you drink it. And people go off and drink it. I smoke this, you smoke it. And they go off and smoke it. I listen to this, you listen to it. And they go off and listen to it. I see this, you got to see it too. And we go off and see it. It's just like there's all these images and voices and things coming at us so quickly. And it's like we, even as Christians, it's like, oh, it's the next thing. I'm going to run after that. And then after we experience that, oh, where, where's that next thing? I got to run around. And we never stay locked on anything long enough for the cumulative effect of it to do any benefit to us. And God is saying, that's not the way my kingdom works. You've got to understand that when you came into a relationship with me, my goal the whole time was that you would be so enamored with me, that you would fall in love with me, that you would be so engrossed and absorbed in me, that you would be so captivated by me that nothing else could distract you. So we go to 1 Timothy. Go over with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And I want to begin in verse 14. Paul says, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these instructions to you in case I am delayed to let you know how people ought to conduct themselves in the household of God. He's talking to churches here. Because it is the church of the living God, the support and bulwark of, notice, the truth. The revelation of God himself that he has given to us. And then notice what he says in verse 16. And we all agree, there's not much human beings can agree on. There's not even much that Christians can agree on. But Paul says even 2,000 years ago that there came a point where a group of Christians could all confess, if you will, without it being controversial, that our religion contains amazing revelation. In your translation, it might, they might use the word mystery. It simply means what you and I could have never known unless God revealed it. So that's why he's talking about revelation. That's why the Net Bible translates it revelation. It is only something that any human being could only know because God says, I choose to disclose it. I choose to unveil it, uncover it, reveal it. Book of Revelation. And you think about it. What 
what would we really know unless God chose to reveal things to us? First of all, how this whole thing came into being. No human being was there when God created the world. God is the uncreated creator of everything. If God chose not to give us the book of Genesis, we'd have no clue how anything got started and how we got here. But God said, I'll tell you, I'll reveal to you who I am and what I have done. Because apart from that, you would never know how all this got started. When you think about all that God has revealed about himself in his word, through his son Jesus, by sending the embodiment of God to earth and says, here he is, listen to him. He, he will show you who God is better than anything or anyone else because he is God. You see, watch him, listen to him, follow him. And yet think about this too. Just why we don't like to reveal ourselves or make ourselves vulnerable. Because, well, I don't want to put myself out there or reveal too much about myself or make myself vulnerable because I might be rejected. Well, think about God. God hasn't uncovered everything about himself because obviously we couldn't take in as finite human beings the infinite God. But... He's given us plenty to, that he's revealed about himself. And yet, how many human beings could care less? I mean, they don't even bother to want to know more about God. Even though God has clearly revealed it either through his son Jesus or in his word. It's like, I could care less. I've got better things to do with my life than pursue God and get to know him better. And yet, Paul says... Can't we all agree that our religion contains amazing revelation? And then notice what he says. It's all about the life of Jesus Christ. From his appearing, he was revealed in the flesh. To his accomplishments, he was vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among Gentiles, believed on in the world, and then finally taken up into glory, his ascension. So you have there in this one verse... A summary of the entire earthly life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus' appearing, Jesus' accomplishments, and then finally Jesus' ascension. And Paul is saying, if God gave us nothing else, when you think about Jesus and his earthly life and ministry, my goodness, what an amazing life. What an amazing God-man in Jesus he was. And when he says he was vindicated by the Spirit, it simply means he was authoritatively authenticated. It's as if the Spirit was saying through the miracles that Jesus did and through the, the things that Jesus taught and all of that that the Spirit was leading in, that he was pointing people to say, He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He is your salvation. Trust in Him. Believe in Him. But folks, it wasn't just through the external things that Jesus did by the Spirit. When the Bible says he was vindicated by the Spirit, let's not forget too that the Spirit, because he is Spirit, also works not just externally but internally. Which means that throughout the history of man, the Holy Spirit has been working inside of men and women. Trying to bring them and draw them to Jesus. 
That's why you and I, when we say pray for unsaved family and friends, we're many times so faithless or our faith is so weak because we can't see that God is doing something externally. We somehow feel like, well, God's not trying to reach out to them even though I'm praying for them. And we forget something really important. God works through His Spirit. And the Spirit doesn't have to work externally. The Spirit can work on the inside of a person. And how many hours, how many minutes, how many days, how many weeks, how many months, how many years can the Spirit be trying to woo and draw that person to Jesus Christ? And we'll never know it. Because it's a conversation that the Spirit is trying to have with that person at a heart level. And telling them, trust in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. There is no other way but Jesus. There is no salvation in anyone else but Jesus. The Holy Spirit is doing that all the time in those who haven't come to Christ yet. And that's why there will be no one that stands in a Christless eternity who can say to God, God, you didn't give me a chance to believe. You didn't try to draw me enough. You didn't give me enough evidence that you loved me. Because over and over and over again, the Spirit has been working internally on all of these human beings throughout their entire lifetime. Because that's what the Spirit does. He authoritatively authenticates Jesus to every human being. And no human being has an excuse to reject Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because the Spirit of God has been working on them their entire lifetime, up to the time they die, you see. And so Paul is saying, again, he's saying, if, if God wants us to stay focused on His amazing revelation, especially centered in the person of Jesus Christ, because that's the only way that we can truly experience this kind of salvation, the fullness of our salvation, because it's about not just coming into to a relationship with God, it's about beginning to know God and have a heart for God and be drawn to God with my life. And this is all then in the context, if you go over one chapter to chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, notice then what Paul says in the context. If we don't stay absorbed and captivated by the revelation of God in Jesus Christ through the Spirit, then notice what will happen. Now the Spirit, God the Spirit, explicitly, definitively says that in the latter times, in the last days, some, that by the way, that means a substantial number, a substantial number, notice, will desert the faith. You know what that means? That means professing Christians in a substantial number will fall away from the faith. They will withdraw themselves from the revelation of God in the Bible. That's what it means. And then he goes on to say, and occupy themselves with deceiving spirits and demonic teachings. The word occupy means they give attention to, they pay attention to, they attach themselves to these teachings. Now listen, folks. No Christian has a demon come down to them 
and say, now I'm demon so-and-so and I'm here to teach you things that's going to draw you away from Christ. That's not how the demonic world works. In fact, he goes on to say, these demonic teachings and, and this demonic influence comes through other people. The demons work through other human beings. So he's saying, you and I have to be careful who and what we are listening to and who or what we are allowing to influence us because there's only two sources of information in the universe. It either can be traced back to God or it can ultimately be traced back to Satan and the demonic world. And here's what Paul's saying in all of this. He's saying, if you and I don't learn to stay focused on the revelation and truth of God, then we are opening ourselves up to being distracted by something else. We're opening ourselves up to being lured away and drawn away by things because we're not locked on and stay focused on the truth. And ultimately, it's not even about the truth itself and, and the revelation of God in the Bible. It goes way beyond that to the very person of God himself. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. So you can see why the challenge for us in the day and age of unprecedented distraction is to allow the Spirit of God to help us to stay focused. Because if we don't allow the Spirit of God to help us stay focused, oh my goodness, we'll get distracted by so many things. And here's the thing, it doesn't have to be something unimportant. But what God is saying is, anything that distracts you or lures you or draws you away from me, which is most important, then is obviously less important than me and your relationship with me. And far too often, we even as Christians allow things of much lesser importance than God and our relationship with Him draw us away to these things. And very simply stated, something that draws us away from God that is less important than Him is what the Bible calls an idol. It is what the Bible labels idolatry. We don't like to think of ourselves as idolaters, but the Bible says when our lives are centered around things that are lesser important than God... And that we are running after things in our life that aren't as important as God, that we must confess we're idolaters. Because we're filling our lives with things that are less than God. You see, the Holy Spirit, why He's so important in our life and why God gave Him to us so that He would live within us is so He could help us to stay locked on to what we need to stay locked on to. Because God knew, apart from the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, we are so easily drawn away, lured away, and distracted by other things. Things that are not near as important as our relationship with God, and knowing God, and drawing closer to God. And you see that predicted here in the Bible. 
A substantial number of Christians in the last days will desert the faith. Bye-bye, church. Bye-bye, Bible. I got better things to do with my life. Sobering. In fact, that's why in the context here, notice in verse 13 of chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. By the way, the words give attention in verse 13 of 1 Timothy 4 is the same Greek word as 1 Timothy 4.1 that's translated occupy. What am I occupied with? What am I paying attention to? What am I giving attention to? And Paul says, Christians, we better be locked in on the revelation of God. Because it's the only thing over time that can allow us and help us to grow and mature through the Spirit so that we experience the salvation that Paul talked about to the Thessalonians, that particular type of salvation that God wants us to experience, that we can only experience through that ongoing growth and maturity. You see how this all ties together. In fact, if you go over to the book of Hebrews for just a moment... Go to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. I want to show you how prevalent this concept is even in the New Testament. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1, the writer says, Therefore we must pay closer attention to what we've heard. The words pay closer attention mean to devote oneself, to apply oneself, to give full attention, to set a course and keep to it, to adhere to something. In a sense, to fix yourself on something, to to be glued to something. And he says, even more so than we have up to this point. Why? So that we do not drift or fall away. You see, the writer of Hebrews is saying, you and I are either anchored in the truth of God and the revelation of God, or we are adrift. Anchored or adrift. What's the picture of your life today? What's the picture of my life? What is the picture of many Christians' lives today? Many churches today? Are we anchored or are we just drifting? Because Paul is saying, and Thessalonians and Timothy and the author of Hebrews is saying, if we're not truly absorbed, if we're not truly captivated and engrossed with where our attention should be, then something else is going to grab our attention. And there we go, off on something. Now all this then builds, though, to this. And that is that the most important thing that that God drove into my heart in preparing for this message, and I think where God wanted me to leave you with today, was this. Here at the Oasis, in our worship, and in our teaching of the Word at the depth that we attempt to do it at, it has got to go beyond a box that we check off, an experience that we are having, an activity that we are doing, and that where we are simply sort of maybe accumulating 
knowledge about God in some way, but our heart is not drawn to the person of God. We are not falling in love with God anymore uh, than, than we have been. We're, we're not, our desire isn't to know God even more because He's so beautiful to us. He's so lovely to us in His character and His nature that we are literally drawn to Him. And here's why I say that. Let me give you, to me, the best biblical example I can give. And let's start with worship. I believe that Lucifer, before he fell and became Satan, was literally the worship leader of heaven. Think about that. Who was leading worship in heaven? I believe for a time it was Lucifer. Leading all of the angels, even before man was created, in the worship of God. And yet, in all of that worship, in all of his leading of worship, his worship never drew him to the person of God. He he never was growing in his love for God. It wasn't the beauty of God and the the nature and character of God that drew him to want to know God more. His exercise of worship was simply that. And that's where you and I have to be careful even in our worship. Because in all of our worship, if we're not drawn to the person of God, then we could end up just like, Lucifer or anybody else. We could go through the exercise and activity of worship without never coming closer to God Himself. And we should be very thankful here at the Oasis that we have a worship leader that her heart is never to sing songs and do worship that for any other reason than to draw us to God and to draw us to the heart of God. If you experience worship at the Oasis and you walk away going, me and God didn't get any closer through that worship, you've got to understand that's not our worship leader's intent ever. It's always about connecting us to the person of God. Because she gets it. And you've got to understand at the Oasis that my goal as the pastor teacher of this church is that we don't teach the Bible at the depth that we do simply so that you can know more about God. Simply so that you can fill your minds up with more facts and figures about the Bible and come away with no deeper relationship with God to where you're not drawn to love God more and be absorbed by God in all of His beauty and be drawn to Him. Because then we would be just like the religious leaders of Jesus' day who knew the Old Testament better than anyone else And yet God was standing right in front of them in the person of Jesus Christ and they missed God, but they knew the Bible. Let me repeat that. They missed God. In fact, they not only missed God, they were behind crucifying God and yet they knew the Bible. And you and I have to be very careful in our worship and in our learning the word 
that it's not just about checking off the worship box and checking off the word box and accumulating more understanding and more knowledge if it's not drawing us to the person of God. Because so many people have made that mistake ever since the fall of man. And that's not the kind of salvation that God ever intended for us to experience. You see, God said, my salvation, this salvation that I have for you, that I called you to, that I chose you for and said, I want you, it was for you and I to have such a loving, personal relationship with one another. And that the more you got to know me and all of my beauty of my nature and character, the more you were drawn to me and the more you were absorbed by me and the more you were captivated by me and the more that you were engrossed in me and you could not take your eyes off of me, your God, and therefore you would then fully experience all that salvation was meant to be in all of its fullness. So let me end with this verse today. Turn back to the Gospel of John and let's look at the words of Jesus Himself about this very same thing. John chapter 17 and verse 3. Jesus here is speaking to His Father in prayer. And notice what He says in verse 3. Now this... (laughs) I used to not... I would read the word this in the Bible and just keep on going. But do you realize how powerful the word this is at times in the Bible? Because again, it's this pronoun that basically says this and nothing else. This and not that. And so Jesus here is even saying in his prayer, now this is eternal life. This is what salvation is all about. And what's Jesus say? He says, it is about knowing you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. And by the way, the word know there is a word that speaks about firsthand experiential knowledge through an ongoing deepening relationship with God. It's not about knowing God from secondhand sources. I know God because Pastor Jeff taught me about God. I know God because I sat under Nicole's worship ministry and I got to know God through through our worship. No, no. It's about you and I individually getting to know God on a day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis as our heart is drawn to Him and to His heart for us. And Jesus is saying, that's eternal life. Eternal life isn't just knowing I have faith in Christ and my sins are forgiven and I'm going to be on my way to heaven when I die. No, Jesus even said, that's not real eternal life. You possess eternal life, but you're not really experiencing and enjoying eternal life until you and I, through the sanctification of the Spirit, get to know our God. And the only way we do that, folks, is by being so captivated, so absorbed, so engrossed with our God that even in this world of unbelievable, unprecedented distraction, 
we will not be distracted or drawn away or fallen away from our God. You see, you can be fallen away from the Bible. You can fall away from prayer. You can fall away from church. You can fall away from so many things. But God understands, if you truly are captivated by me, the person of God, me, and you really come to know who I am, then you will know there's nothing else in this universe that could ever take your attention off of me. And isn't that why then the Bible teaches us, stay focused on God? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, never take your eyes off of God. One other thing, I promise I'll wrap it up. Very strategically in the Old Testament, God made sure that the Ark of the Covenant that symbolized His presence amongst His people stayed at a certain distance between the people of God and the Ark. And many people always thought, well, that always had to do with sort of, you know, out of reverence and respect and and the holiness of God, there had to be distance between, you know, human beings and God. But that's not why God wanted that distance between the people of God and the ark of God. He wanted that distance so that no matter what terrain they were going up and down, no matter what hills or mountains they were going up and down, that no matter where they were in the fellowship of of Israel, that they could see the Ark of the Covenant. That they would never be at a place in their journey where they couldn't look and go, there's God. There He is. Because how can you and I keep our eyes on something that we can't see. And even in the Old Testament with the Ark of the Covenant, God wanted to make sure that the Ark of the Covenant was always strategically placed in the fellowship of Israel so that any Israelite that wanted to see Him could see Him. God wants us to see Him today. God wants us to be drawn to Him today. Will we allow God, through His Spirit, to draw all of us to our God today. Let's stand and pray. God, I ask you today that we not experience worship for worship's sake, that we not experience time in your word for time in your word's sake, but that, Lord, the experience that we go through on Sunday and every other day of the week as followers of Jesus Christ would be experiences where we engage with you, the person of God. Where we become so captivated by you, God. So enamored with you. So in love with you, God. That we are drawn to you like we've never been before. Because you understand us better than we understand ourselves. That anything else that we occupy ourselves with, that we pay attention to, we can be easily drawn away from. But if we truly would give our life, our heart, our mind totally up to you and let you become the very center of all that we do and all that we are, that nothing or no one else could ever pull us away from that. Because once we have seen you 
and the beauty of who you are, nothing else could ever distract or draw us away. God, make yourself so real and present here today that you and that we as believers, God, could experience you in such a way that we could never take our eyes off of you again. That our attention would never be drawn away from you again. Captivate us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name.